Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fortress Comic News, episode 279. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside my co-host here, Mike. What's up, Mike? We're going to call this the mustache episode. See how it goes. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. all stashed up. Okay, your Burt Reynolds going. Yeah. I. Uh, it was funny because I... Um, you know, I shaved it into my beard into a mustache, and I was like, I'm going to try this out for the day. And then I went out, and I realized that there was a lot of dudes that just looked just like me with this mustache. And then I was like, why is it such a trend? And I'm like, oh, yeah, the Top Gun movie with Miles Teller and his mustache. I got to get you that uh, that shirt that Hopper wore in season three. Oh, hell yeah. The, uh, the full, like the Tommy Bahama one? Yeah, Tommy Bahama. Just go all out, you know. Might as well just dig Honestly. right into it. Yep. Um, we do have an interview today, everybody. It's not just my mustache. Uh, Randy Stone will be on to talk about his book, Bullet, and some other stuff. So, looking forward to that. Um, speaking of Stranger Things, Chris has finished it, finally. Yes. What do you think after you finish season four? Right I now? love the series. Yeah. It's, Good. It hits... The horror isn't like the horror is exactly the type of horror I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like season four, the last season, um, it's very Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Which is like one of those series that I really like. Like I, I, I like the, you know, the popular stuff, the Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. So it hit all the the right elements there. But it does really well of like pulling your heartstrings throughout it. Like even um, spoiler alert for the I to me it's the movie. It's not really the last episode. <laughs> but uh, yeah. spoiler alert for the movie. Like when when Hopper comes back and like just that line that Eleven gives. Like I kept the door open three inches. Like mm-hmm. just hit me right here, like <laughs> right yeah, in the heart. Like, man. Damn. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then. Uh, when he comes to Mike and he like gives him a hug and he goes, you know, you've gotten taller and yeah. he goes, well, you gotten sm- uh, thinner or something like that. Yeah. Or thinner, no, you yeah. grew and you shrunk. That's what it oh, was. Oh yeah. 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 Like it just, the writing's so good. The, the special effects are spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story's great. Like I, I know this next season's supposed to be the last one. Yeah. Um, and I kind of hope it is. Cause I, I feel like, we've reached a climax. We need to kind of wrap up the thing, but it's almost mm-hmm. sad at the same time. Cause it's so good that right. you don't want it to end. Um, yeah, yeah. the, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I wanted to ask you, did you notice the, with Vecna when they, when they, you know, kill him in quotations, uh, did you yeah. notice the Michael Myers? Yeah. He disappeared. Yeah. Rolls yeah. off, literally rolls off the roof. Like in, Halloween and then they pan down and he's gone. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. another, like I like the original Halloween movies, the first two, um, mm-hmm. especially. Um, and it hit on a lot of that too. Like it's, yeah, it, it's so good. It, yeah. I just I can't don't know where they go. Like how do they, how do they fix it? Like the, the fucking town is a gaping hole <laughs> where it used to be. Like, what do you do now? Um, and I can't imagine they save anything without time travel. Like I'm, I'm like still banking on time travels coming the next season. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that need to be ex- like, there are a lot of 
quote unquote plot holes throughout it. Um, mm-hmm. Things that need to be explained. Right. But I have faith that they'll do it in a nice way. And uh, yeah. yeah. It, if you're not watching the show, it's one of the best things, if not the best thing on Netflix. Yeah. Um, and I sure. don't think I'm saying anything new or controversial here. Just <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> He's crazy. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I'm glad I finally jumped. Like I had jumped in before I got when I, f- so after my watch through, I realized my original watch through, I got through like half, maybe less than s- of season three before mm-hmm. I had to drop. Yep. Um, but going back, watching it all the way through in one sitting, well, you know, one sitting quote unquote was really nice and just well done altogether. Yeah. And the, um, I mean, it's just, it's just good. And did you, did you like ever put two and two together that number one was going to be the, was going to be Vecna? Yeah. I think they, they held that really well to like when he's given the speech, yeah. when she's like back in the past doing like trying to get her powers back. Mm-hmm. I sat there. I'm just like, Oh, he's Vecna. And then literally like 15, 20 minutes later, uh, it shows her like, throwing him into the the upside down and him becoming Vecna. I was like, of course, yeah, okay. Like, but it was done so well that yeah. you didn't get it until that moment. And then it still hit Yeah, when you see the, the conclusion of that. Like, yeah, it wasn't one of those things where they kept it going for a whole season. Like, is he or isn't he? And then like, yeah, by the right. time you did, you're like, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was done really quickly and everything. Yeah. So can't wait for the next season. Um, Speaking of Netflix, they, uh, yeah, Neil Gaiman had like cryptically tweeted out, Oh, it'd be awesome if we had one more episode of Sandman. <laughs> and then Netflix did this crazy thing where they released 10 episodes and they released the 11th episode. A lot of people are saying it's a crazy marketing strategy. Um, hey, like, hats off to the marketing people at Netflix because what I think happened was the episode wasn't finished, <laughs> um, especially because half of it is like CGI which is fine. Like it's an animated short part of it, but like they definitely didn't finish it. And they're like, okay, well we'll just add this as a bonus episode and make people think we were holding on to it. But um, it, it's a couple of the stories from the comics. So this is like where I stopped reading the comics. Okay. Um, the, the cat story was interesting. I kind of wish it wasn't animated, but I, I would, the CGI budget would have been ridiculous for that. Um, and did you watch it yet? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, okay. So, well, first, my thoughts on the drop of it. I think it's good that they did it this way because the show ended in a very good way. Like, yes, mm-hmm. for the first season. Hopefully, this isn't the end of the show. Right. But um, I agree. It ended perfectly. So to do this as kind of a separate thing was nice because it doesn't take away from the ending that mm-hmm. season one was. Um, as far as the first episode, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm really glad they blacked out the guy's like the human's face in the cat episode yeah. because um, I want to just stab the dude who drowned the kittens. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. Um, yeah, I have one of the in my eyes, one of the worst things a human can do is harm an animal, especially a defenseless animal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, well, let me say it this way to purposely torture a defenseless animal is bad. Yeah. Like I don't have an issue with hunting or anything, but like 
kittens in a bag and you drown them like yeah yeah Gotta that's one of the few guy. times where i'm like give him the fucking chair <laughs> yeah burn him burn him uh the the episode was good um and my my cat like immediately woke up and was watching the episode after hearing all the meows and stuff so I, i've seen a lot of people posting pictures about that on twitter and stuff like their cats are sitting and watching the episode <laughs> too yeah, Greedo was in my lap, and he perked up every time <laughs> the meow did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a good little short. And then the second part of the episode was interesting about a writer like trapping a goddess who used to be the wife of Morpheus, um, and they had a child together. We find that out. Yeah, I think it was solid storytelling, great episodes, and a cool way to you know get everybody excited because like they really didn't uh advertise this at all like when i texted you i texted some other people about it they're like oh really that there was another episode out i go yeah apparently <laughs> like i had no idea yeah and even like when i turned on my netflix that day it was in my continue to watch which normally when yeah. you finish a season it jumps it drops out of that right um but it, I don't think it even had the new episode marker on it so i was really confused and then yeah you would text me i was like oh okay like yeah it doesn't it doesn't have the marker you gotta like go in and find it (laughs) yeah it's weird like you think they would push it more but you know yeah it's still it's worth watching i was surprised that morpheus showed up i thought it was literally going to be like two side stories in in universe but outside of the main story Mm -hmm. and uh, the first one was that although i'm sure that's going to tie back into what's going on it did have his voice though his his voice was the um the wolf or whatever yes yeah um, but then he actually shows up in the the Muse mm-hmm. episode. So yeah. I was yeah, it was it's good. Um I don't know, it, it I'll just say it's good. It didn't reach the highs of the season, but right. yeah. I still enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. Um and you watched She Hulk episode one. I haven't watched it, I haven't decided on if I'm gonna watch it or not, but you can break it down for us. Um so I'll break down the story real quick, then I'll talk about my feelings. So basically, we start <laughs> with her after she has her powers at, as okay. a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really know that she has her powers at this point. And then she like there's an interaction in her law firm. Then she breaks the fourth wall, which I'll get to later. Um, oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! And uh, says like, I bet you want to know about you know how I became the She-Hulk or whatever, blah, blah. And Chris is like, no, I don't No, (laughs) please. Um, and then, so it cuts to like how she became She-Hulk, which was like, she was traveling with Bruce. Um, then Bruce explains why he's Bruce again and not Hulk. He like sneezed on her or something. And, uh, they get into a car accident because a random alien ship shows up that they never explain again, by the way, um, that causes them to go into an accident. And then, um, she cuts her arm, Bruce bleeds into her wound, and that gives uh, her the powers. Um, <clears throat> interesting. Similar to how She-Hulk was actually like came about, but different at the same time. I thought it was a good way to kind of show the same origin while condensing it to like, mm. all right, blood gotten blood, blah, blah, blah. She's got She-Hulk. <laughs> um, she hulks out a few times. They go to this place in Mexico where she trains and Bruce tries to talk to her and everything. And, uh, they have like a Hulk on Hulk fight. And then she goes back to the real world, tries to be a lawyer. 
um, and when Titania shows up. And that's kind of the end of the episode. It's like a half an hour quick episode. Um, I thought it was good. I It's not like my favorite thing in the world. I'll keep watching it because it's Marvel and I, I'm addicted at this point. But uh, I, outside of a few like issues I have with the episode, some of the dialogue's wonky. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the dialogue even contradicts itself. And uh, I know all the She-Hulk fans are going to come at me like, she does it in the comics, but the fourth wall breaking, I just hate. It, yeah, you're, yeah, that's uh, you're not a fan of fan of Deadpool, that's for sure. Yeah, and he at least she does it in a way that's like narrative. So like she acts as the narrator to her own story, and that's okay. why she breaks the fourth wall. So it's like I can stomach it that way, but I still don't like it. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, the but it's good. The action's good. The 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 CGI isn't as egregious as the yeah. trailers were. That's what I was going to ask about her face. There's still like a noticeable difference between how much time and effort they put into Hulk mm-hmm. and how little time <laughs> and effort they put into She-Hulk. It's like the intern working on She-Hulk. Dude, it's like Hulk is so and I, I don't know, maybe this is budget-wise. Like you already had the Hulk models from the movies, so you can just mm-hmm. kind of copy paste. Um, I'm yeah. sure it's more complicated than that, but, um, but like Hulk is so every little detail, his skin and everything mm-hmm. is like so perfect in how they did it. And then hers is just when it's in motion, it works, but it's still like I don't know, there's Uncanny. something missing. Yeah, yeah, there's something got, missing, got, definitely. The uncanny valley. Um, I so I I just see like the I, the Marvel Studios like subreddit, you know, shitting on things here, like continuity wise. And I haven't seen the episode. Um, I whether it's bad or not is kind of irrelevant uh, for this this thing I saw. But is there a scene where like the Hulk gets like hit by a jeep and like knocked into something? So she's trying to leave and she gets uh-huh. in the Jeep and he like is standing in front of him in front of the Jeep. Like uh-huh. he's about to stop it. Yeah. They have a conversation. She like slams on the pedal uh-huh. and yeah, like takes her for, takes him for a ride for a minute and then stops yeah. and he falls off. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that was the scene I saw. And then they compared it to, was it the first Avengers where he stops on like, he stomps on the giant ship. Um, and like the whole ship stops and like flips over him compared to like him getting like hit with a Jeep <laughs> and it doesn't stop <laughs> or something like I'll, that. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'll take, I'll say this, um, context is King here. Like, yeah, so I'm, this is from the first Avengers movie you're talking about, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's the rage monster Hulk at that point. So he's yeah, just that, Hulk yep. smash. Right. This is Smart Hulk, and it's his cousin. And they were having like a very heated conversation, and she oh, caught okay. him off guard. So I could see why he wouldn't exactly want to flip it over and smash a his Jeep, <laughs> yeah, but true. be his cousin. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little more a power levels thing, yeah. Because I we we're seeing a Bruce Banner Hulk now, right? The uh, what do they what do you call him? Well, he's still this is Smart Hulk. He's still smart the same Hulk, Hulk strength, yeah. but like right. There's more, he has control. 
Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. You know, so I, I don't, if it was, yeah, if it was Hulk from Incredible Hulk or um, the first Avengers movie, yeah, he would have yeah. flipped that thing over and probably killed her. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but I think okay, there was some holding back. Plus, like, you're having, you know, you're having a heated conversation with your cousin and then, like, mm-hmm. she just does something and catches you off guard. Like, yeah, it's yeah. going to. I figured it was taken out of context and people just being, you know, shitty as usual. Um, yeah, it's people being too literal and not taking yeah. context and questioning. comic books, here. people. Um, one more thing about TV, uh, in case anyone cares. The House of the Dragon, or the nope, no unquote, House, House of the D, <laughs> which I think is a better title. House of the D will start tonight uh, on HBO, so I'll be watching that. I'm... I'm I'm more excited for rings of power, but I will be watching both. Um, so I'll, I'll be talking about that when I come back. I think I will avoid both unless I'm told they're like the greatest things in sliced bread. Maybe I'll just tell you that then. Uh, <laughs> I watched a movie over the weekend. I watched Prey, um, uh, as an eat, pray, love. No, I'm just kidding. This is, uh, <laughs> this is way better. <laughs> this is, uh, the predator movie that takes place in like 1792 or something like that. Um, with this native American tribe, first off, like you, you like watch the first few scenes and like the wide angle shots and like the cinematography, like they don't even show any like humans or monsters. But when you're looking at the movie, I'm like, I'm sitting there. I was like, this movie does not have any business being shot this well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, I'm about to, I'm about to watch a fucking predator movie right now. And I'm like, you're getting like these wide shots. Like you're watching interstellar or something. I'm like, what is happening? Uh, so right off the bat, I was like already, okay, let's, let's see where this goes. Um, the actors, all, all the, all the characters are amazing, especially the main, the lead actress. Uh, and, and from what I heard, some of the uh, native American uh, actors, they found like working at stores around the area. <laughs> which is pretty crazy. Um, like I think the lead, uh, the co-lead uh, with the girl, her brother, that he was working at like a TJ Maxx or something. <laughs> and this is his first debut and he, he fucking kills it. So <laughs> like, wow. Okay. Um, now predator wise, I mean, this movie's this movie's awesome. Cause it does two things. Uh, it gets people who have never seen a, a predator movie asking questions about predator and like, getting hyped up the fight scenes are so cool um one of them is one of them is just like human versus human and it's done all in one take <laughs> so it's pretty awesome uh the the great part about it like if you're a fan of the predator series like i love the first predator with arnold schwarzenegger um i have very fond memories watching that yes. several times over they would just non-stop play that on tnt um they do something really interesting for fans so, like, obviously, they debut all the... Like, they focus on the cool things about Predator. So, the gadgets. We see a lot of gadgets. We see a lot of him or her. I don't really know what the Predator it. <laughs> um, we see the Predator mimicking a lot of the weapons. More more so of, like, the 1792 weapons. So, we don't see a whole lot of lasers or rockets or anything like that. But we still see the same setup. So, like, in the trailer, you see, like, the three... the the three red dot triangles you see a lot of other gadgets and there's the scenes are set up so you expect to know what the gadget is going to do and every gadget is different and i fucking loved it 
because I was like, you know, I'm sitting there with Katie, like, and she's never seen the Predator movie. I'm like, oh, this this gadget's gonna go like pew 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 and all this shit, and it doesn't do that. And I was like, wow, I sound like a dumbass because I thought I knew everything about the movie, and they completely flip it, which is great because it makes sense. Like, it's been hundreds of years. Why, like the the Predators have to fight people and develop their weapons too over time. So, uh, really cool. I think there's there's conflict between characters and I'm not going to spoil too much because they really they don't show too much in the trailer of like a lot of the conflict that goes on. Um, The Predator is the design of the Predator. I'm sure you've seen that. It's all it's all real. Uh, The costume is real. Practical effects. That was amazing. Yeah, it's more of a primitive look, too. Yeah, I loved it. I I mean, it might be my favorite Predator movie, hands down, because uh and I know, I know, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger one has a uh, higher like uh, fan score than this one. This one's critic score is like up around ninety something, so well deserved. Uh, and I, I really hope they just go all over the place with this. Go to different planets, uh, different time periods, like go to year three thousand or some shit like that, um, like the Jonas Brothers did. But uh, yeah, I think I sent you the. Um, the tweet that someone put out that was like put it in feudal Japan with like a, a lost Ronin, yes, or and then like cast that. like cast uh, Keanu Reeves as the lead. <laughs> uh, it was some John famous Wick. Japanese uh, yeah actor that was put. I I don't know that the yeah scene that I know well, his name but... and I, he um he was in uh he's the dude from Mortal Kombat uh that plays Scorpion um. But like, they can do so many cool things and do it well. Like this, you know, it was a it was a really nice nod to the Native American people and what they believe in, and and how that relates to what's going on with the predator. Um, yeah, I think I think it was great. It's it's a good story. It's a good character development. Um, and yeah. I hope I hope we get more of that. So uh, check it out, and it's on Hulu. I mean, Hulu's been killing it lately. So yeah, yeah. So that's all I watched, and I think we're gonna um, jump over to this interview with Randy Stone, and we'll see everybody on the other side. All right, everybody. I got another very special guest for you all. I want everyone to welcome to the show Randy Stone. How are we doing today, Randy? Good, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, um, and thanks for busting out all the original comic art pages behind you. Those are pretty sick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you are a collector yourself? You buy a lot? or? Buy. Yeah, I used to buy a lot. Um, I was trying mm-hmm. to break in as an inker way back when, so I'd get pages just to kind of study the craft. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because um, it's your first time here. Uh, let's talk about your origin story of you know how you got into comics and now you're a writer now and not an anchor, right? So yeah. you can talk about that. Yeah. So, I mean, way back when to my childhood, uh, Marvel Universe trading cards, I broke into comics or I, I got into comics uh, based on those characters. Like I fell in love with them just from the trading cards and then hitting Seven Eleven and grabbing anything off the rack. Uh, Jim Lee X-Men was around that time. So yep. I mean, that kind of fueled the fire. Uh, I wanted to be an artist for the longest time. And like I said, I was, uh, I, I enjoyed inking the most. Um, it's less intimidating for one, but also just that laying down lines was just like a uh, meditative almost like I just really enjoyed that process. So I was trying to get as an anchor 
Um, spent a couple of years really focused on that, made some progress. Um, I had a lot of good feedback from some pros back in the day. And my first book champion was just a, a project that I wrote uh, just so I'd have a book to ink myself because I wasn't getting work at the time. I ended up getting picked up by a publisher and uh, suddenly I'm a writer. Uh, so that worked out okay. Uh, didn't do well financially, but um, it was a comic book that I created that was in my hands, which was just the, the lifelong dream accomplished right there. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. Didn't really make a career out of it at that point. Uh, turned my attention to getting a real job and starting a family. And then years later, came back primarily as a writer, um, doing some short stories and then just building on that because I just... I could never escape it. Like the ideas were still coming. And even though I was uh, not actively involved in comics for like a decade, uh, I could never leave. And yeah, I'm, here I am back self-publishing. Yeah. We yeah. always suck you back in. Just yeah, exactly. right back. <laughs> you got to come back. You can never leave. Uh, <laughs> and, and you've come back and you have a few titles, uh, at least through your website. And I know there's a few we want to talk about today. Um, so which one, I mean, between like bullet and crime pays and everything, which would be your earliest out of those? So bullets interesting because back when I wrote champion, which is a book I was saying, um, mm-hmm. I also had bullet in the works. I was pitching that around and it just never got picked up. Uh, the artist, uh, Nate, uh, Nate Stockman, he got work from Marvel and image and he was doing really well after that. Uh, but just this pitch never got picked up and kind of sat in the drawer for a while. I, uh, reapproached that. Um, knowing that it was a good story, it was a good concept, but maybe my execution wasn't so great on the script. I met up with Jordan Alseca and had him tear it down and revise it. So that's the oldest of my current books uh, as far as concept. Um, it just took a dozen years to come back to. Uh, death and Comics, which is uh, kind of an anthology of short stories uh, all based on death in different ways. Uh, that was the first one that I put out uh, in my more recent attempt at uh, comics and that was a bunch of short stories that i wrote as i was getting back into it because it's easy just to do like a five or six page thing or even a two-pager mm-hmm. yep and then i noticed that i had kind of this common theme through many of them i uh, did a couple more just to kind of round out that issue of uh, death related stories and so that was my first attempt at self-publishing oh okay i think it's a uh, it's ironic to have stories about death as you're trying to like rebirth yourself into yeah, comics. exactly <laughs> It's an interesting way to do it. Um, Life through death. Yeah. So let's talk about Bullet um, and and what you've been doing with that story. So the the one shot that we put out, it was a Kickstarter that was funded last year. Um, It's a self-contained one shot, double-sized issue. Uh, It was all that needed to be done, but I love the character and the concepts behind it that I actually worked with Jordan to create a new ongoing series. Um, It's set in the current day and kind of, delves into his lineage a little bit. Um, I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but uh, it's exciting to have an ongoing series. We've got four issues mostly finished. Um, so kind of coming back to it and uh, exploring during, uh, different aspects of the character has been a lot of fun. Uh, and then a whole bunch of new things. So I'm hoping to put that out uh, this fall coming up. So uh, we'll be launching that. Uh, the one shot is available through my website. Um, yeah, we're really building on that series. And, and what yeah, is the character ahead. like? Uh, explain the character to uh, our listeners. Yeah, so it's a super speedster. Um, it's this guy Dale D'Souza. Uh, he's an old man looking back on his time as he gained powers and became a superhero back in the '60s. So it has a Silver Age feel, both in kind of the 
the approach to the story as well as actually being set in the 60s. Mm. And he becomes a super speedster that fights crime and falls in love. Um, and yeah, it definitely is like a like a, a Silver Age style story, which is kind of like bittersweet as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you can tell you're a fan of those books. <laughs> Well, exactly. exactly. I mean, I've loved yeah. superheroes for 30 years. Like, uh, yeah, right, right. Especially after doing things like death and crime and horror and stuff like that. I've yeah. got two young boys myself, so I couldn't oh, really okay. share a lot of that stuff with them. <laughs> so I want to do something lighthearted again and just like showing my passion for superheroes. Like Swan, that's another one. The Sensational Swan was a bunch of short stories based on that Batman analog kind of character. Um, it's kids safe, but it's not aimed at kids for sure. It's got some elements that are more mature. Excuse me. Um, but Bullet is like totally just a Saturday morning cartoon kind of like, you know, a, a comic you'd want to roll up and stick in the back of your pocket kind of thing, share with your friends and run around pretending to be him. Like that's kind of what I envision and just really want that kids to feel love for comics the same way I did with something like Bullet. And I think a child and an adult can enjoy it just as easily. Yeah. Um, and I just to talk about the art really quick. Uh, the art by uh, uh, Kath Lobo is amazing. Yeah, yeah she's incredible. <laughs> uh, uh, so, how did you how did you get the connection with her? Uh, I came across her on Twitter. Uh, I think most of my oh, collaborators okay. I just find on Twitter. You know, you fall in yeah. love with some post that they did, and um, yeah, I approached her, and she was willing and able to do Bullet back in the day. And she wasn't able to continue on with the ongoing series. I mean, that's kind of the thing that happens when you've got a really great artist; they're in demand, and they get busy with other books. So. Right. Unfortunately, yeah. I couldn't have her back. Um, yeah, it was just a bad timing, I suppose. Um, yeah, so we've got a couple new uh, artists uh, currently on the on the um, ongoing title. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's it a bit of a different approach, but I think with the time shift, it actually worked out pretty well. Um, it shouldn't be jarring, I don't think, because the one shot was so self-contained. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it'll be Laura Kane and uh, Nico Carrizo, so the artist coming up. So great, yeah, looking nice. forward to that. Um, so you you yeah. talked to us like before um, the recording about how you had different plans of how you wanted to get it out, the ongoing out into the public, and yeah. one of them was to go through Diamond, and we don't have to get too much into why it's not in Diamond, but I would I would love to hear more about the process of working with Diamond Lunar. And what do they require out of you to even pitch? Like, how does that process work? The Lunar was, um, they didn't have anything posted on their website as far as what the submission process was. Diamond had a bunch of forms that you have to fill out and kind of like your approach to marketing and kind of like a one sheet on each of the issues that you're uh, submitting there. So there was a little bit more formalized process with them. Um, So I'm still waiting to hear back from Lunar, fingers crossed on that. Uh, I don't have any experience with them otherwise, so it is, it's a mystery to me. Um, if we get the green light, then I'll have all those questions answered, I hope. Uh, I've funded a lot of Kickstarter projects. I've done that several times, so I'm more familiar with the crowdfunding aspect. This is new to me. Um, it would be another lifelong dream checked off if I could have an ongoing superhero book in a comic store. Like That's ridiculously cool. Um, I hope I can get to that point with this, and we'll see. Yeah, it's, uh, we hope so too. And I, I know a few people that are big speedster fans too. So they, <laughs> they for sure would be picking your book up when it came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. 
Um, can, can we talk about that for a second? So you're talking about doing an ongoing um, with Bullet. Now, are, what kind of things are we going to be exploring? Like, are, is is he going to have a rogues gallery kind of thing? Like, are we going to see more villains showing up like every day? Yeah, there's uh, definitely, there's so many in the works. Um, yeah. Return to some of the previous villains and then okay. others that are more uh, new versions because, again, it's uh, generations later um, mm-hmm. from the 60s to now. So you'll see kind of a revised version on an old concept. Um, some of them do actually come back, that they're actually just old men. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. <laughs> like a walker or something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Awesome. And- and with like the the style you're going with, you said like Saturday morning cartoon or the classic comic style. Like, are you doing one shot stories inside the ongoing, or do you plan on like these like what modern comics do with these four or five issue arcs? Yeah, so there will be threads obviously that run through. It's not a sitcom that just restarts at the end of every episode. Uh, so the characters will build and you know grow along with issue to issue. But as far as telling a story, each issue should be a complete story on its own. That's how I feel. Um, maybe with the dream of having it out there, somebody can walk into a store and pick up number three. And we've got a little blurb on the credits page that says previously on sort of thing, right? So you're not going to be completely lost, but you'll be able to enjoy that and hopefully run with it. Like, yeah, I'm going to grab an issue number four because three was great. Whether you can find one or two, um, you know, digitally, okay, that's fine. That's available, but you shouldn't have to count on knowing the previous 40% of a trade paperback. Um, I really want people to be able to step in and just enjoy the story for what it is. Um, and of course, just growing from issue to issue, there will be um, a history that kind of develops that we build on every issue there. Uh, I just don't want you to have to rely on uh, comic book continuity. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll never get into it because I haven't read the last 10 years of stuff. Like, yeah, it should just right. be accessible to new readers. Every issue is somebody's first. That's the Stanley concept, right? Right. So we are aiming for that for sure. Yeah. But with that said, there will be a nice collection that has common threads. I've got a volume two and a volume three kind of in mind, like some sort of common themes, but really self-contained, maybe a to be continued where you have a two-parter, just like the kind of stuff that I read growing up. Um, That's kind of what I'm aiming for. Okay. Great. And you said that um, you have like four issues kind of ready for the most part. How fast you are you kind of pumping out issues? Is this something that when it does have, like, let's say you get into Lunar and you're able to get into shops, is it going to be something monthly or is kind of things running where you're going to probably do four issues or five issues, maybe take a month or two off or like, how's yeah. the time frame for the book look? I'm thinking probably as close to monthly as possible with that break and then a trade paperback and then come back with the issue five, six, seven kind of thing, like moving on from there. Um, again, having so much lead time right now, if we go full steam ahead, then by the time we catch up, I mean, that's going to be the second trade, uh, worth of stories done already. Right. Um, it was kind of a, a slow pace with the first issue. Um, that was one of the reasons that Laura couldn't continue on with, um, anything beyond the first issue of bullet adventures. Um, she was just struggling a little bit, uh, realizing how much effort goes into an ongoing series and a a full issue like that. So that's when I brought Nico on. Um, Again, between issue one and two, there's, there's a a reason why it's acceptable that there's a big shift in the art style as well. I don't want to give too much away because uh, there are reasons for that. 
Um, but yeah, Nico was on a, a regular schedule there. Probably within six weeks, he'd have a new issue done. Uh, Fran, who's doing the colors, she's quick. Lucas, who does the letters. So I think once we get rolling, the schedule will be easy to maintain and then take that month off uh, every five or six issues. So it should be rel relatively ongoing, uh, regular release schedule. Okay, great. And I know you have your own uh, website up and running too, where all your titles are available and everything like that. How has that been going for you as opposed to um, some other outlet for for books? So I've sold through Comixology as well. Um, there's a couple of things on there that, you know, you, you get that initial jolt of sales on the first day or within the first week and then it disappears yeah. completely. Mm -hmm. I mean, the occasional stuff, um, you know, six months later, you get a little input or um, a statement for $2 that you made a sale. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. not an income really from there. Right. Um, my website doesn't have the traffic, obviously. You know, mm -hmm. people aren't browsing my, my store. So when I push things out on Twitter, um, that's usually my main thing, or on Facebook, um, I get the odd sale here and there. So it's not really the moneymaker either. Uh, the initial release through Kickstarter previously, or what I'd be seeing here if I get into the retail stores, I'd be counting on that to be the the primary source of income. Okay. Yeah. Are I you mean, still currently yeah. on Comicsology, or did you get purged uh, with the the Great Purge? You know what? I I assume that it's gone. I didn't resubmit it or anything like that. I think I had to have done that. Um, I didn't even yeah. bother. Comics all I may I may do that just kind of like once every month or two, put a new book on there, and then I'll get that little jolt again. But yeah, I haven't really looked into. It. Yeah, they didn't they didn't really help anybody out when they did. That. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well. Yeah. Great, Randy. Um. And you know we're gonna promote the hell out of it when it does find its home and where it's getting distributed, uh, whether it's Kickstarter, or, you know, through Diamond or something like that. Um. But, you know, if our listeners and our viewers want to follow you and all the stuff you're doing, where's the best place to send them? Yeah, so all social media I've got at Altruist Comics. Um, I also have my very personal Twitter, which is Randy Stone, C-O-T-W. Um, but, yeah, Facebook. I, I created a TikTok account the other day. There you go. <laughs> so I know that's the future. Yeah, again, uh, with the time, sorry. Saying, when it's an old guy like me on there, then it probably means it's in decline and will <laughs> be gone in a couple of weeks. But. <laughs> There you go. And I figure that's where most of the traffic is, and I'll try yep. to post some stuff on there. But really, it's not like I'm thrilled to put my face out there on the internet. Um, uh, yeah, little, yeah, little previews and stuff should be fun. Cool, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I keep yeah. telling Mike that he's got to start the TikTok because I'm sure as hell not going to do it. <laughs> I have one to browse and stuff, and I look for like, I mean, there's like two things I look at on TikTok. It's barbecue and comics and i don't see enough like comic books and like artists on there so i would love to see more like development stuff comic book wise on tiktok but it's I mostly it's just, just a different personality like we're yeah. often introverted um sitting in a studio doing your work like we grew up just reading right. alone right right exactly you know, to put yourself yeah. out there is just an awkward situation like i mean credit yeah. to you guys to be out there it's yeah. certainly out of my comfort zone that i'm really pushing myself to get out here and like trying to talk yeah. about my work but it means actually yeah. having to talk. I'm like, oh. So. <laughs> well, uh, if there's not yeah. enough comic artists out there doing, I'm not on TikTok, so I don't know. I'm I'm the old man of the group. But yeah. um, here's the million dollar idea, comic artists: time lapse of you doing pages. Yeah, people watch the crap out of it. Oh yeah, that's what I'm looking for, and I haven't seen much yeah. of that. So 
Maybe I'm. It's always fun seeing that on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking, and maybe I'm just not TikToking right. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I probably not. I probably might not be. <laughs> Get up those. your TikTok game. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so everybody yeah. out there, um, I will have the link to Randy's website uh, straight to the store, so you can check out all the books, uh, especially Bullet, and um, make sure you go and follow him on social media. So when we do find out how Bullet Adventures is going to be published, whether it's like Mike said, whether it's through Kickstarter, Lunar, whoever, you're the first to know. And uh, yeah, check those things out. And Randy, thanks so much for being on, man. We appreciate your time. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon, man. Awesome. And we're back. We're on the other side. And we have quite a bit of comic news this week. So that's always fun and exciting for a comic news show to have comic news. (laughs) <laughs> some good comic news this week too. good good shit we're yeah we're getting some good good um okay so after the san diego comic-con announcement uh for about the batman spawn crossover the new entry of that dc has announced they'll be reprinting the original two one shots in november it'll be titled batman spawn the classic collection sure why the hell would i not pick this up yeah, Perfect. it's gonna be yeah. printed in like uh, the style that their 100 page giants are, so that bound. Okay. Um. So yeah, those are good stories. Everybody should check them out, and it's a good primer for the new series, which I'm excited for. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just let's let's do it. Easy money for DC, right? Exactly. Uh, DC has revealed a new black label title written by Mark Silvestri. The title is called Batman slash Joker: The Deadly Duo. It will launch in November. Uh, in the series, Harley Quinn is missing, along with Commissioner Gordon, and a new deadly threat is at the heart of the mystery. When Joker approaches Batman about an uneasy alliance, the two team up to save their companions and create a rift in the Bat family. I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I got her on the same page here. I So, Black Label, like... Black Label should not be there just to make more Batman stories is what is my only problem with that. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I mean, it's DC comics, uh, AKA Batman comics. So mm-hmm. I, I understand why they lean into the Batman thing. It's, it's their biggest seller by far and it's right. Not even close. Um, but I think it's cool that Mark Silvestri is coming. I mean, that's a longtime image guy who did like the darkness and everything. Um, it's cool to see him roll back into the big two. I just, I'm, I don't know. I don't like the idea of Batman Joker teaming up. I just don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it. And I don't like, I don't like, I mean, we've talked about how sick I am of the Joker. the, The closest to this idea I've enjoyed, and I really enjoy it to be fair, is what they're doing in Beyond the White Knight. Right. Where like yeah. Joker is basically planted a digital version of himself in Bruce's mm-hmm. brain, um, but that's right. not even really a team up. That's just yeah. more psychological manipulation by Joker. And he, yeah, he, it's not like something he agreed to, right? <laughs> He's yeah. like, I'm here, deal with it. So, and that's the thing too. Like, I don't see Batman being like, yeah, Joker, sure, let's team up and be pals for this one. Like, I don't know. It's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Golly gee, why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully it's good, but I don't even think I'm going to bother with it. No, I'm not. Um, this is pretty interesting, though. Uh, 
Uh, DC announced DC rewinds to the 90s in November. <laughs> sure. I Good mean, idea. I will say this. Like, I'm seeing styles and trends come back from the 90s. At, so we're, we're in it now. I mean, it's DC's well, capitalizing here. And what's funny here is, as a side note, um, the same month, November, Marvel's um, variant cover line, like, you know, they both do a variant cover line for that month, mm-hmm. is like return to the 90s so all the covers are done like a 90s style by 90s artists wow so yeah um <laughs> go ahead the great thing is we go back to these characters you know and you can go back and find these issues if you want to read more about them for 25 cents a piece <laughs> yeah no the, no issue there yeah <laughs> so the dc rewinds of the 90s in november will consist of some new revamps of popular 90s characters created by mr jim lee First up is Wildcats, written by Matt Rosenberg, art by Steven Segovia. Wildcats will bring back the classic team working in the shadows to take on the Court of Owls. Interesting. Um, <sighs> Matt Rosenberg. Who did the um, Grifter stories yeah. in Batman Urban Legends. Right. That I didn't really care for personally. Yeah. What... What pulls me in is Court of Owls. Like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. We haven't seen Court of Owls in a while. Yeah. Um, actually, since they were created, basically. Um, I know they're going to be in that new video game, so it's going to be like we got to do a Court of Owls thing. But yeah, get it popular again. I almost want to check it out for that. And like the Wildcats, like I always like Grifter. I like the design. I like mm-hmm. some of the early DC versions of them. So I'm, I might check this one out, but it's still a rough sell. Yeah, I might check a couple issues out. Uh, also announced is a Black Label title called Waller vs. Wildstorm, written by Evan uh, Narcissi and Spencer Ackerman, with art by Eric Battle. The series is set near the end of the Cold War. Show, Cold War shows an ambitious and young Amanda Waller as she tries to implement her ideas on how to use metahumans in the war. Finally, oh, okay, so that's... That might be interesting. That one I'm down for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one sounds um, pretty cool. Yeah, I love Cold War era stuff. Amanda Waller's an uh, interesting character um, to mine. They haven't done yep. enough of it, in my opinion. Yeah. And to kind of tie her to her origin to Cold War era and metas, like, there's, that could be really good. I'm yep. That one's actually exciting to me. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how Wildstorm fits into this. I assume they're <laughs> the metahuman. She's trying to like make the original yeah. um, Task Force X. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. A celebration, and, and the oh, finally is collection called Wildstorm: A Celebration of 25 Years, which will fe- feature classic reprint preprints from Jim Lee, Brett Booth, and more, as well as some new material uh, that will tie into the future of the new DC line. Interesting. So they they pretty much need to get everybody brushed up on Wildstorm and Wildcats <laughs> because they're like we're going to be using them soon and people don't know who the hell they are. So yeah, and this for me is kind of the last ditch effort because Jim Lee's the head of DC basically. Yeah, and this is these are Jim Lee's properties. Like DC yeah. bought Wildstorm, and that's why Jim Lee's in the positioning as a DC. If they don't, if this doesn't work out, 
because the last few times he's tried have not worked out. He needs to just stop. <laughs> yeah. He's tried this whole let's revamp Wildstorm over and over again. And it's like somebody's got to come in and be like, dude, like we've tried it. It's not yeah. working. Like, stop making this a thing. I know it's your baby. I know you created them. But like, we got to move <laughs> off. <laughs> Leave it. It's dead. So I'll, I'll root for it. I think, I mean, t- one book I'm excited for here. The other one I'm at least going to check out for reasons. Um, the, the collection, I don't really give a crap about, but I hope for the best. Um, I think the stand on that, though, is the Black Label book. Like That one sounds the coolest to me. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I'm more excited for this other stuff from DC that's coming up. And it's actually going to get me to go like, I know I'm all digital now and here I like buy like comics here and there, but I'm going to be pre-ordering these number ones. Cause I got to have them because the covers are all like absolutely amazing. Uh, when this dropped, I was so happy. Um, this is the biggest news of the week. DC and Jeff Johns announced that spinning out of the flashpoint beyond is the return of the justice society of America. Oh God. Yes. With two new comics and a one shot comic. The first one shot's called The New Golden Age, written by Jeff Johns, with art by Steve Lieber, Jerry Ordway, and Diego Orlategui. Uh, the issue will be used as a starting point for the future of the D- JSA. The next six-issue series... Uh, oh, the next is a six-issue series titled Stargirl, The Lost Children, written by Jeff Johns, with art by Todd Nock. And finally, the ongoing title... Ongoing title, folks... Is called Justice Society of America, written by Jeff Johns, art by uh, Michael Janin. Yes. This is all we needed. That's it. I'll take this one by one. Yeah. Um, the New Golden Age. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Start it off. Give everyone a primer. Yep. Get them in. I'll pick that up. No problem. Um. No matter what that issue is, I will be picking up the ongoing Just Society of America. Fuck yeah. Bring yeah. those characters. We've been waiting for so long. So long. Um, I'm still honestly a little disappointed that's Jeff Johns, not because he's a terrible writer, but because I was hoping for a new voice in the JSA. But I'll yeah. take it. I'll take Hopefully it. Hopefully he just does like the first story arc, pass it on to someone else, like Tomasi. Um, and we'll go from there, but yeah. And like, this isn't a, this isn't me slamming John's in any way. It just, he's, he's had a long, great run on JSA. I would love to just get a new voice on it. Mm -hmm. And, um, but like I said, it's return of characters we've wanted for so long and they've been teasing us for years now. They're going to come. They're going to, and now it's here. Yeah. Finally. Um, Um, the the star girl book. Okay. <laughs> I'll get my feelings on Stargirl. I get it. That's Jeff John's baby. He's going to do a Stargirl book. I'm not picking it up. I'm not. I never I cared for I Stargirl. I, I understand some of the fans are going to be like, well, she's got a TV show, and that's what. No, no. It's, <laughs> the only reason there's a Stargirl book is because Jeff John's is doing JSA, and he wanted a Stargirl book. Yeah. Um, I respect him for that. Like that's his, it's based on his sister that passed or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that. I just, I just don't care about Stargirl. <laughs> yeah, me either. But just uh, society. Hell yeah. Let's go. But 
yeah, everything else as long as the Just Society book, as long as it's like the the Just Society that we deserve, that we mm-hmm. want, the core base Just Society. Yeah. Fuck yes. yes. Bring it on. Yep. I'm so excited for that. Me too. Oh man, I can't wait. When I saw that, I immediately was looking for pre-orders. Not out yet, but I'll no, be ready. probably so November. So yeah, you'll get them either tomorrow or next month. I think yeah. tomorrow the new DC Connect comes out. Oh okay. Tomorrow being Monday for everybody Monday, listening. Sorry, yeah, we're back in time right now. <laughs> uh, we know who will be taking over Fantastic Four ongoing series. It'll not be Jonathan Hickman. Boo. Boo. New team will consist of writer Ryan North and artist Evan Coelho. Uh, the first arc will feature Ben Grimm and his wife Alicia stuck in a Groundhog's Day style time loop that the Fantastic Four must help him escape. I don't know who Ryan North is. Um, I do. He's not bad. He did the um, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl series, which is really good. Okay, but it was that's a like he did it as a comedy series almost. Uh huh. It's not enough to get me to check out Fantastic Four, though. Like Fantastic, I know you're more of a Fantastic Four fan. Yeah, I'll probably check this one out. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's got to be like somebody I can't ignore for me to check out Fantastic Four. And I even I tried Dan Slots even, and I just couldn't get into it. So, and yeah, the the story ideas he threw out don't really intrigue me either. So. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully you and all the other Fantastic Four fans love it, but I'd probably a pass for me. Uh, new creative team this fall for Iron Man as well. The new series will be written by Jerry Dugan and art by Juan Fregari. The new story arc will be picking up after Iron Man 750, beginning with a new number one, of course. It will feature Tony Stark losing his wealth and having to dig up classic armor in his battles against a mysterious new supervillain. I mean, cool. if his butler died, I'd say it was Batman. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going to say, too bad he didn't have a butler to die, because that's literally where, where we've been with Batman for a while, people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love Jerry Dugan. He does some good comics. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, for sure. Mm-hmm. My com- uh, my, the problem here is, is my comic list is so long at this point. Yeah, you can't. You don't have room for it. Yeah, like, I don't have room for JSA, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do yeah. it, but... Yeah, there's the some, jump there's on Iron Man book. Yeah. I'm picking up and dropping books left and right. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, like, it's... You know, 8 Billion Genies came out, something I wouldn't have expected. I'm, like, picking that up, and I dropped something else that I don't even remember because I wasn't, like, I wasn't tickling my fancy. I mean, it's it's a doggy dog world out there right now. We have so many crazy things <laughs> happening with comics. Yeah, I'm almost excited because, like, next month ends, like, a bunch of miniseries for me. And I'm like, oh, yeah. that's so much I don't have to buy. Now. <laughs> it's such a nice feeling when you get the last <laughs> issue. You're like, yes, fuck yes. <laughs> I can stop reading this. Not to say that it's bad because I've had that happen with really good books. It's just, like, a, a pet peeve to, like, have a number five and not the number six in your collection. And yeah. then it shows up and you're like, okay, put that one done. Not have to think about it. Um Star Wars comics at Marvel are entering a new time period next year, leaving the time between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, moving past the Return of the Jedi. This new start will begin with a one-shot comic called Star Wars Revelations. Wait a second. Is that like like He-Man Revelations? 
<laughs> Masters of the Universe Revelations, wasn't that the title? And written by Mark Guggenheim with art by Salvador LaRocca. Ooh, nice. Paco Medina, all right, and more. The issue is said to look at the past, present, future of the Star Wars universe and set the path for what is to come. Interesting. So I know I don't talk about uh, Star Wars comics much on this show because I usually <laughs> keep them for my own enjoyment. Um, but I've loved what Marvel's doing with Star Wars. Um, pretty much everything's been good mm-hmm. or great. I'm so excited for this to happen, though, because in between movies is fun and you can dig into some cool things. But now, like, even though technically we're in between movies, like there's literally a lifetime in between six and seven. Right. And there's so much to mine there that it's almost as if you have no you don't really have an ending. I mean, Mm -hmm. yes, you have to get to the point where kylo and the first order come about but like there's just so much there that could happen and i'm so excited for that to be where we're going with star wars now yeah um so yeah this is amazing news it's a lot more time than between empire and return of the jedi that's for sure (laughs) yeah and a lot more time yeah and there's so like i said there's so much to mine and you can like you can jump in and out with what's going on with um the Mandalorian mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. figure out that whole thing and, and just follow Luke and his, like how he got to the point where he's just like, fuck it. I give up. Um, there's so many great th- threads we can go through. And mm-hmm. especially for those first few years of it, we can really just do whatever they can do, whatever they want. Right. and explore this universe. I'm so excited for this. Um, yeah, I, might I think this is going to be some too. of the best Star Wars comics we're going to get. Nice. Uh, Boom Studios has announced new big creator-owned title, uh, Once Upon a Time at the End of the World by Jason Aaron and three unique art teams. The series is set to be a love story about two people who meet right before an environmental disaster threatens to end the world. So Jason Aaron, uh, probably going to be picking this up right uh, yeah um all i'd hear is jason aaron and i'm gonna check it out yeah Sounds environmental cool, crisis eh, i don't know not the coolest way to <laughs> to write a story but i'm interested to see how he uses the three unique art teams because they make that a point in all the press releases mm-hmm. but they don't say who they are and i'm wondering if that's going to be in story as they tell things like maybe a past present future thing yeah, or mm-hmm. you know something along those lines. So it'd be really interesting to see how he uses that. But uh, boom, kind of grabbing some big names. I'm I was shocked to see this one. Jason Aaron has been doing all of his stuff at Image, and to kind of yeah. jump over to Boom's huge. Like that means oh, yeah. something. So yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about what we read this week. Um, I got through about six issues here because I had so many. Uh, I feel like I had a lot of books to to read, but, um, uh, true cult, uh, but spelled T R V E K V L T. This is the, uh, Scott, Brian Wilson, Leanna Kangas. This was the Kickstarter book that finally got published at IDW picked it up. Uh, you know, we're huge fans of Leanna Kangas here because she's like one of the best artists right now. Uh, her, her variant covers are always popping out at you. You got to pick them up. 
this it's a cool story. This dude works at a burger joint. Um, he robs a bunch of stores, ends up stealing a record that belongs to a cult of like Satan worshippers. Um, and that's kind of how where the first story wraps up. Uh, I thought it was a solid first issue, so I'm going to keep up with it. Uh, and the art is amazing, obviously. Um, shirtless bear fighter part two. Can I tell you the where we start off in this book? So this is Jody Lehup, uh, Nil Vandrel on the art. Uh, shirtless bear fighter is now working with the fuzz. Yes, the cops are called the fuzz because everything is bear themed. Um, the the issue kicks off, dude. They're fighting giant gummy bears. Uh, <laughs> the reason they're fighting giant gummy bears is because there's a mini gummy bear villain that's controlling the brain of a child in a factory, and the child is like being forced to make giant gummy bears. <laughs> and shirtless bear fighter is shrunken down like magic school bus style, like inside the kid's body, trying to fight his way to the brain. <laughs> It's insane. Like they literally just come out of the gates swinging with this book. Uh, and then <laughs> shirtless bear fighter has to take care of all the giant kaiju sized gummy bears at the end of the fight. So he just eats them all and becomes like this big fat round <laughs> person. So he's just walking around for a few pages, like really wide and like fat. <laughs> Cause he ate all the gummy bears. It's just ridiculous. Um, it's a crazy story. There's lots of bear puns. And then, we get this guy who's like, oh my god, they call him like the, uh, they call him like the chicken shaman or something. He lives in this hut and he's got like a, he's got like a KFC bucket for a head and like is like supposed to be like this mystical guy. He finds out these, he finds these bears like pouring barbecue sauce into a pit and like summoning something. And he said that Ursa Major is coming, so Ursa Major is like a huge bear villain, I guess. So stay tuned for more. Uh, this shit is so wild. I love it. Um, Hulk number eight. This is uh, Donnie Cates. And uh, um, not this is not Ryan Otley on the art. I can't remember. Who, uh, uh, Matron Cocolo. Sorry. And, uh, co-written D- by Daniel Warren Johnson. Yeah, I was going to say DWJ. Uh, co-written by him. Um, yeah, so this is... No, it's nothing crazy happening in the end. Uh, the fight is over. Like the fights between Hulk and Thor Hulk. Um, Thor says that Hulk is dead and lets him leave and go figure out his own stuff. And he's apparently he's traveling very far, far away somewhere. Um, and I think it's just left open to see where that'll go. But I, so I, I liked it. It was a, a decent ending to it. But yeah, it sends Hulk up to like all right, now you're left alone to your adventures moving forward Mm -hmm. and then kind of reset where Thor is in this. Um, The unfortunate part to this, and we kind of like were texting about it back and forth, and I actually looked it up. This book is three months behind. Okay. We haven't had a Thor or a Hulk book in three months. That's what I was wondering. And like, yeah, Donnie's been like, not tweeting or anything, so yeah, and like all of his books are like not coming out. Like we did get the crossover 3D special this week, but like right. honestly, it's a reprint with like some yeah. new material in it. And I even went on like KLC Press's 
uh, page and started looking, and it's all Stegman. Like, yeah, Stegman's doing all the posts. He's doing all the videos. So I'm really like. W- I don't want to say worried, like he's not like not like my brother or friend or anything, but like yeah, I'm concerned. Right. Like, where the hell is Donnie? Yeah, um, and I've seen people he's tweeting okay. at him. Yeah, right. Hopefully he's okay. Um, but it's it kind of sucks because one of my favorite writers, if not my favorite writer, currently working is like kind of MIA, and even this like feels more like a Daniel Warren Johnson book than a Donnie. Yeah. And that's kind of what I said. I read it and I was like, Oh, they definitely just wanted to wrap things up. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, we'll, I guess we'll see where he is, but yeah, it sucks that, especially for the fans, like at least if we knew, like we got an announcement, like even for Marvel, if Marvel was like, Hey, uh, some things going on, these books are going to be delayed. But like, yeah, it really sucks. Yeah, like, I don't have to know exactly what's going on. Like, if yeah. he's going through something personally and he needs to deal with it, like, you don't have to say that. Just be like, listen, Don, these books are on hiatus for a few months. They'll be right. back. Yeah. And leave it at that. But maybe that brings too much attention to it. I don't know. But yeah, I think now it's at the point with this book, and maybe it's just me because I'm a snoop, but with everything I looked up, I'm like, it's pretty freaking obvious that something's going on with Donnie. So, yeah. Hopefully he's good, uh, I, but the book was. I okay. only noticed because someone tweeted at him and was like, "Hey, dude, where you been?" And I was like, "Oh, that's weird." And then I started looking into it. Uh, Batman, Superman, World's Finest, number six. Uh, Mark Wade and Stuart Moore on the art. This is a really fun issue about Robin being trapped back in time, and he, you know, jumps in with a circus, so he starts to like befriend all these people, and then Batman, and Superman come to help, and obviously have to be part of the circus too. And they solve a crime while doing it. I thought it was just a fun issue. It felt like a world's finest issue. Like the the fun lightheartedness. I thought it was great. Yeah, and it was a cool like one shot story that kind of bridged the two arcs together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was fun. I liked the whole like Robin trying f- figuring out something in the past and like then using his yeah. skills and trying to figure out how to like tell the people. Yeah. Um, I liked him being back in the circus. Like, yeah, there's a lot of cool things about this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had the new issue of Barbaric. Um, I can't think of the title. Um, Axe to Grind. Axe to Grind. I uh, love the first issue. Um, they're fighting giant <laughs> vampires, which was fucking awesome. I know Chris <laughs> greatly enjoyed that. Uh, and we he's like with a cohort now, right? He's got like a, a group of people that he's fighting with, which is cool. Um, and then we yeah, find out the witch from the yeah. first series. Yep. And then his friend from the past that he saves from the vampires. Yeah. This barbarian with him, uh, which is cool. And then we find out this orc, this orc King or something is coming. Like he's back. Um, and now, now he wants to kill him. Uh, yeah. pretty simple story. That's all it is. And I love it. I mean, it's, it's, I'm glad barbaric is back and they fight a Kraken. <laughs> yeah, they fight a crack, and that was pretty sick. Forgot about that. Uh, quest to side number four. Got that one too. Um, yeah, so it was an interesting issue. Uh, the owner of the quest to side decides to sell the bar uh, to another like adventure group. Um, and as that happens, the bar gets attacked. Right? Is that how it, where it leaves off? Kind of, but then at the last second he pulls out because he feels bad about it. Um, yeah. Because he was going to give all the money to his 
staff and then kind of right. disappeared into the night. But he felt bad that he was going to screw people over. And then, yeah, like the king shows up with his army. Yep. <clears throat> and uh, no, obviously he's going to take it away now. So good issue. Um, not as much like randomness to this issue as some past issues. Like in the past, we had some of these like little stories about mm-hmm. people coming into the bar. And to see more about the him and what he's going through with this supposed deal. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, getting more like the main story. Um, I still really like this. Uh, I still really like this. Um, yeah, good series, issue. So. Yeah, that's all I had. That's all I got to this week. There's other stuff I got to read that I'll talk about when I'm all caught up. But Okay. Um, Batman, One Bad Day, Riddler, number one. That's one of them. Uh, so this was like... This ties Riddler to... It ties Riddler directly to Killing Joke, um, and his role okay. in Killing Joke uh, is basically what the story gets to. Um, this Riddler was a little bit more of a a. We get his backstory, so like we get that he was like grew up a super genius and then was never allowed to have fun and play games, um, and was abused by his father, and then that's why he became the Riddler. Um, we get how he's connected and how he's able to like basically manipulate people um, using his intelligence. It was okay. Um, I still I enjoyed it. It's like a sixty-four page like mini OGN. Um, not a whole lot of Batman in this, but he does show up like th- at the end, basically to tie up the story and. I'm a little, I don't, my only issue is, is how it ends. And you'll see when you read it, I don't believe that's how Batman would have let it go. Okay. Um, but other than that, it was okay. Uh, not the best start to this one bad day thing, but I'll still keep reading them just cause I'm interested to see how, especially like they're doing Clayface. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Right. Um, um, seven sons, number three. This one was about, so last issue, one of the sons dot was killed by this extremist faction. And in this one, the there's another one of the sons is trying to follow the lead that his brother was leaving for him, that there's something going on. There's some sort of like conspiracy that was happening behind them. And he follows this lead, which runs him into this extremist group. It also sends him on this mission uh, across the country where he ends up on like a bus with a, uh, a bunch of random people who are relocating and all the people in the bus that are relocating are actually like former religious scholars um, of like one's like a, a Jewish scholar. One was a Buddhist, so on and so forth mm-hmm. and how the birth of the sons and this new religion taking over the country basically made their religions invalid, even though technically it's not illegal. Like there isn't a national religion, but because the sons exist, everybody bought in and now all the other religions are just obsolete. Oh, okay. Um, So now they're like these scholars who now have to go and basically be like migrant farmers. Hmm. Um, So that was a cool little side thing to the universe of like what happened to everybody else. And then cool. he ends up going and trying to find 
this uh, thesis that somebody wrote before they were born that could disprove their entire religion. Oh boy. So it was very interesting. I really liked that book. Um, DC versus vampires all at war. Number two was really good. It's, it's following the same thread as the first issue. Um, I know you read the first issue, right? So it literally takes place at the end of that and moves forward with it where now they're kind of out in the open and they end up going to find Talia and all the vampires like take out Talia's little enclave that she has there. Mm-hmm. And uh, whoever's left at the end is left in the open and has to keep going. Uh, and then I had Aquaman Flash Void Song number three. Um, that was the end of that arc. It obviously wraps up the story. I like how, so we get the kind of conclusion how they defeat the Void Song and all that. That's to be expected. But the real story here was like the newly found friendship between Arthur and Barry. And like how this experience brought them together and made them realize like that they're more alike than they think. And that was really a cool thread that they, they put there. And even like you haven't got a chance to read it yet. So I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it for anyone out there either, but there's a moment at the end that's just so funny. And it's like two old friends hanging out together. And then like something happens and this like an inside joke happens. It's, Oh, okay. It was actually really well done how he wrapped everything up. Oh, the the two of them actually was Kelly and Lanzig wrapped everything up and um made me care about the, the friendship between those two. Okay. Daredevil number two, aka number six fifty. <laughs> um this was kind of, this kind of concluded the first story. Uh, cause it's like, it's, it's a Marvel, you know, big issue thing. So they made it like a double, triple size issue. It's, um, almost like it's three issues long and it, it wraps up kind of how this character showed up at the end of the first issue is basically an old friend of Matt Murdock's and he's been Matt's kind of guardian angel, um, keeping him alive through like important moments throughout their devil's life. And we get into kind of the backstory of that and like how he's intervened throughout the different events. And what's cool about that is they use that, that moment to bring in other artists throughout daredevil history and like show the moments in the art style of the moment. That's cool. So like when they do the, something from the Wade Samney era, they bring in Samney to like do the art. Um, and it was a cool little conclusion to it. And it kind of ends in a way that, moves on the story to daredevil leaving New York as he was meant to in this arc and, um, saying goodbye basically to his past. I really liked that. And then there was a short story at the end that was kind of just a quick, I don't know, five page daredevil, quick daredevil story. And what was cool about it is obviously Chip Zdarsky's writing the series and he did the art for this little mini story. So, like in the same book, Chip wrote and drew Daredevil. That's pretty cool. Um, it's you know it's a simple little story about a kid who basically is tangled up with the the mob, and how Daredevil kind of steers him away from uh, what he's doing, and you know that's that's basically it. And then they kind of tie it together with 
one of the classic mini Marvels uh, that they used to do back in the day that I really enjoyed uh, back in the early 2000s. It was nice to see that come back. So, uh, yeah, I'm really liking Daredevil. We're going to talk about that last. Talk about some Avengers stuff. So we got Avengers 1 million BC. Um, this tells a quick story of how the Avengers like defeated one of the uh, the people from Jotunheim and how they came to kind of destroy Earth and they saved it. And then it tells the the birth of Thor and how Phoenix is involved in his birth. So he is uh, born through the marriage of uh, Odin's son, his wife, but dies upon birth and the Phoenix uh, gives him life back. And so that what gives him a part of the Phoenix force and makes kind of Phoenix's pseudo mother uh, in it. It was a really cool story. Um, there's obviously, I love the 1 million BC Avengers cause we got a uh, ghost rider on a woolly mammoth and, <laughs> and all these. Kind of cool. So it was really cool. Ties into the Avengers that's going on right now. Enjoyed that. Savage Avengers. Number four. Um, we find out in this issue that, the Deathlock that is chasing Conan and the rest of the Savage Avengers is actually Miles Morales. That in an alternate timeline, Miles dies and becomes a Deathlock, uh, which was kind of a cool little twist to what they were doing. And uh, in the meantime, while we're getting that story in the present, uh, the Savage Avengers are trying to save Conan because he's been trapped by this uh, necromancer who's trying to bring the Serpent God to life. And the Savage Avengers find a way to basically resurrect a bunch of dead barbarians to fight with them and save him, but they're too late. And, uh, of course, something bad happens at the end. Knights of the Fifth Dimension, number two. Um, this issue was half telling the origins of the fictional comic characters, the psychedelic Knights of the Fifth Dimension and half kind of continuing the murder mystery that's going on where the comic that the creator who died was working on is slowly being penciled and inked with by nobody and continues to tell the stories of what's going on in the fifth dimension. And uh, this our lead character is trying to figure out why, and it leads to this moment where it looks like the fifth dimension is bleeding into our dimension. And uh, he gets it by finding out that one of the people he's met in his life, uh, actually a cop that was talking to him, um, is taken over by like the the bad guys. I forget what they're called. And then my last one was uh, I got the Frank Miller Presents Ashcan that has a preview of uh, Frank Miller's Ronin book two and then Ancient Enemies by Dan Didio. Uh, I'll say... Real quick, the Ronin story seems interesting. I, I want to check that out when it becomes its own series. I always love the first Ronin book. I always recommend it to people. Uh, the Ancient Alien stories was, for a Ashgan quick preview, it was long and convoluted. Oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, I don't think I'll be checking that one out. Although the art was really cool, and I did like the, the, like the atmosphere, because it was like a sci-fi story based on another planet. Right. But just everything going on, I was I got lost partway through, and it's a fucking ash can. <laughs> <laughs> That's not supposed to happen. That's yeah. no. So uh, yeah, uh, and then they teased some other books that like Frank's working on in there. Some looked interesting, some didn't. 
but uh, it was kind of cool. It's a one dollar ash can, so I figured I'd check it out. Yeah, yeah. So, Mike, that is everything I had for this week. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and or the show? You can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter and the show at Fortress Comics underscore on Twitter, where we're about to circle 400 uh, follows. So please go out there and help us reach that goal. Oh, boy. Um, you can also follow the show at FortressComicNews.com and uh, at our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Fortress Comics, where you can support the show there even further. And uh, remember, everybody, if you have the time to give us the reviews on podcast of your choice, like, subscribe, share, comment down below, and subscribe. I always forget to say subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe, On subscribe. the YouTube channel. Smash that like button. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and uh, as always, thank you so much for watching and listening this week, and we will see you all here. Well, I will see you here. Chris will. <laughs>